Hello, and welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers, podcast number 35. A big welcome back to anyone who's returning, and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. Well, this week's podcast, I get a chance to talk to Eli Berg, and Eli is what I like to call one of the 21st century deadheads. He is 19 years old and has as many stories as somebody 30 years older than him. We had just so much fun. It's uh, actually super-sized because there was just so much cool stuff to talk about. We start off with uh, how the music resonates to his childhood. We go to Fare Thee Well in Santa Clara, Dead and Company shows, um, some musical therapy that the Grateful Dead provided for him, which I think is relatable to anyone who's listening to this podcast, a three-night run at Dark Star Orchestra in Berkeley, and uh, practically up to real time with some experiences at Terrapin Crossroads in San Rafael. So, so much fun. And uh, really, I mean, his momentum is infectious. And I cannot wait to continue to hear the stories that I'm sure are on the horizon. On another note, you know, winter is coming to a close and has provided some great hibernation. But with spring in the air, that means spring travel, spring music, and uh, lots going on. So uh, for the time being, I am going to take the podcast back to twice monthly. And, uh, you know, we'll see, see where it takes us. As they say, every time that wheel comes round, you're bound to cover just a little more ground. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you enjoy the podcast as much as we enjoyed making it. And I will catch you in a couple weeks. Well, Eli, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. Thank you. Glad to be on. Yeah, we uh this has been in the works for a little while. We've been in touch and uh and this is exciting that uh, our day has come. Yeah, real like I'm super excited to be finally recording this. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to have you on. Well, this is so fun and it's funny we've talked and a few weeks ago I had Connor on who is in the same same age range as you and I just I am having so much fun meeting the next generation and and the stories that reflect and and everyone loved hearing his and so so excited for everyone to hear your story. Yeah, glad to be on it. I definitely love your 21st century deadhead segment. It's I, I look forward to Connors, and I think there's a lot of fun hearing from people my own age about the dead. Well, you guys are going to be responsible for hooking me up with the next one. <laughs> we'll, <have to> <laughs> yep. we'll have to network within the community. So for anyone out there we'll, who's we'll listening, find someone. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, shoot, us, shoot me an email. Let me know. Uh, yeah, definitely want to keep this ongoing. So uh, feel free to reach out. Well, right on. Well, I so I have your song list, and, uh, and they kind of go in, you know, list of some of your stories. So tell me a little bit about the beginning and some of your, you know, earliest memories and how you uh, stumbled onto the bus. So it's quite a long story how I eventually stumbled my way onto the bus, but I – my parents were deadheads. They went to SF State starting, I believe, in 77. They saw their first show at Winterland in 78, right when the boys got back from Egypt. Um, so that's how they got into it. And they saw, I want to say, like every Bay Area show from then until like the mid-80s and then intermittently until the end. Um, they traveled to Red Rocks. They went up to Oregon. 
And then when Jerry, when Jerry passed away, they didn't go to any more shows. I remember there always being music, like, growing up. And there wasn't a whole lot of – it was a mix of a little bit of dead music and other classic rock. I was raised on classic rock when we when I'd wake up early to go to hockey practice. My dad would put on, like, the, the local classic rock station for me and my brother. I have a twin brother. Um, but he would put on, like, the classic rock station for us. But eventually when I was in – and then, like, there's always classic rock in my life. And for a long time, when when I was in middle school, I want to say, when they would, when my dad would like put on the Grateful Dead, I like ask him to turn it off because like I didn't like it for whatever reason. I must have been crazy or something like that. Yeah, I didn't really like it up until sophomore year of high school, when I had gone through this phase. I went to boarding school in North Carolina, and I went through this phase of listening to like country, like country pop. And eventually grew out of that. In the beginning of my sophomore year of high school, I started listening to, to The Dead. And I, and I have a very vivid memory of listening to Reckoning. And Monkey and the Engineer comes on. And for whatever reason, I got super nostalgic. And then it came to me that that was a song that I loved when I was, like, a really, really, really little kid. Aww. Like, it must, yeah, it must have been <laughs> one of my first favorite songs. It's such a cute, endearing song. Um, as Bobby says about tragedy, narrowly averted. And yeah, it's one of my earliest uh, memories having to do with music. Oh, that's so awesome. I no, and I love hearing stories about, you know, kids coming through music. And I think Connor and I talked a bit about this because I am just pounding it into my kid's head and I don't, I don't know what the outcome is. So, you know, it's uh, gratifying for me to see, you know, people on the other side, right? <laughs> like going yeah, no, through ages we, and stages and then coming out through, you know, and like appreciating good music. Yeah. And we've talked about that. And personally, I think you, making your kids listen to the dead, even if they don't like it, is great because eventually they're going to like it. Like for me, uh, when I was at boarding school, I'd come home for like winter break, spring break, summer break, my freshman year, like be playing different music every time in the, in the car um, from the airport, from SFO back to Petaluma. And eventually my mom has this memory of my sophomore year again, after I started listening to the dead, I want to say it was winter break. I come home, plug my phone into the car and just started playing the dead and she was like very surprised. And I'm, I remember her the second time this happened, the second time I had come home on break listening to the dead and she goes, so are you a deadhead now? And I, and I go, I guess. Uh, proud yeah. moment for mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. proud yeah. moment. So what about your twin brother? What does he like music? I played guitar growing up and he was, uh, and I still play guitar and he's a drummer and we were both raised like listening to classic rock, as I said, and he, in terms of his drumming, got the last few years, I want to say, like, got pretty into, like, jazz and, like, drumming along to that. Um, cool. In terms of what he listens to now, I'm pretty sure it's still classic rock. We're slowly, slowly getting him into the dead, and he's going to hear this podcast, and, like, he's going to send me some text about this, but I'm taking him to Dead & Co. this summer at the Hollywood Bowl. He's super stoked for it, or at least that's what I can gather from this. He's been texting me, actually, the last few days going, who is playing, like, which members are in, like, and I'm going to start sending him some recordings so he can, like, start listening to it. So my my hope is that I can get him into the dead. Well, so much of it is about that, like, first experience, right, you know? 
Exactly. Um, exactly. Well, I want to play some music and then I want to talk about the first experiences and I want to get ahead of a, I want to get ahead of a, all of the things that we want to cover. So per the early childhood memories, we are going to play Monkey and the Engineer and it'll be fun to hear if in your brother's text, he remembers this too, right? It could be the, um, yeah. it could be like the, uh, the, the memory coming back yeah. in the beginning. Hopefully. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, I was sitting here and doing musical therapy right now for uh musical therapy for him so let's yep. go listen to this and this is from reckoning and then we're going to come back and talk about uh your life experiences and and kind of what those have meant mm-hmm. all right everybody enjoy all right we'll be back from the song about tragedy impending uh we're going to move swiftly to a song about tragedy tragedy narrowly averted another in our long list of tragedy songs, but this one is a tragedy near, narrowly averted. It goes like this. One, two, three, four. Once upon a time there was an engineer, drove a locomotive boat far and near, accompanied by a monkey who would sit on his stool, watching everything the engineer would move. One day the engineer wanted a bite to eat He left the monkey sitting on the driver's seat The monkey pulled the throttle and broke the motor Jumped the gun and did 90 miles an hour Down the main line rock Big locomotive right on time Big locomotive coming down the line Big locomotive number 99 Left the engineer with a worried mind Dispatcher on the phone Tell him all about his locomotive was gone Get on the wire Switch operator to right Cause the monkey's got the main line sewed up tight Switch operator got the message in time Said there's an order found living on the same main line Open up the switch I'm gonna let it through the hole Cause the monkey's got the locomotive under control Big locomotive right on going to get into your post-sophomore and high school years. 2015, fairly well. What, um, tell me a little bit about that experience. At this point, I'm not going to boarding school anymore. I had transferred from boarding school in North Carolina to Jewish Community High School of the Bay in San Francisco. So that's where my, that's where my brother went for his freshman, sophomore year. So now at this point, I'm going to 
going to school with my brother, living at home again, commuting to the city every day. It was around, it was a few days after they announced Fairly Well Run. They had announced the shows in Chicago. And I remember being, like, kind of bummed that they weren't, like, going to play the Bay Area. And I want to say, like, a week after that, they announced the Santa Clara shows. I'm getting ready for school, and my mom comes into my room. And, like, it's early in the morning because we have to commute to the city, and I'm pretty tired, but she goes, so do you want to go see the dead in Santa Clara? Being exhausted, I just go, my response is something along the lines of, yeah, sure, I guess. Um, and I was pretty tired, but, like, throughout that day at school, I vividly remember getting more and more excited. And during the the off periods I had at school that day, I remember listening to some, like, uh, 90s dead or something. I want to say it was, like, 91 or 92, those years that get forgotten sometimes. But I was listening to those getting more and more excited school year ends, summer starts and i'm up at and i'm a cit at urj camp newman a jewish camp up in santa rosa and there's this tradition at camp of uh ultimate frisbee where the cits play the staff every friday it's the first game of the summer and my friend and my friend jonah he throws me he throws me this path i'm going to the end zone and i hit and i run into this gaga pit this like probably just over waist high wall and I ended up bruising a rib from that and then fairly well was actually a few yeah and I was pretty bummed about that because fairly well was a few was like a week a week and a half after that so at this point my rib is like hurting pretty bad fairly well rolls around um I'm on the painkillers that they gave me at the hospital and but like I'm feeling pretty good at this point aside from the pain in my rib I'm feeling really excited to be seeing fairly well and the night before there. So I went to night two and so night one, I'm looking at the set list, seeing what they played, trying to figure out what we're going to get. I want to say, yeah. So my mom picked me up from camp. We drove down to Santa Clara with, with some friends. We picked them up in Marin, drove down to Santa Clara the whole time. I'm playing like I'm playing Grateful Dead in the car and like just getting really excited. This is my first live experience and I'd never seen them before. Right. So we get there, we parked, we didn't park in the parking lot. We parked in some side street somewhere. And as I get out of the car, I, like, start seeing a few people wearing tie-dye shirts, wearing, like, great Dead shirts and all that. So we start walking towards Levi Stadium. And this huge stadium, like, I'd never been there. This was my first time at Levi Stadium. And Levi Stadium is just, like, looming in the distance. And, like, as we're walking towards it, there's more and more, we're, like, surrounded by more and more deadheads, like, more and more people wearing tie-dye. I just remember, like, there's this, like, feeling, there's this, like, good energy, just, is people like there's this this good feeling in the air like we were gonna get to see to see the like core four as like they've been labeled I guess and they're walking towards the stadium the friends who we were with they go inside and we had this ticket that we we had to sell or something so we're walking up and down like shakedown in the parking lot and I remember like now that I know like what shakedown at Dead and Co looked like it wasn't too big but we were walking up and down trying to find someone to sell these tickets to or this ticket to. We eventually find someone, and then after that, like, we head inside the stadium. We walked around the concourse, like, looking at all the all the different pictures that were up, because they had these pictures in the band's history. We eventually head up to, like, we were, our seats were at the very, very, very top, like, facing the stage. So, like, we were at the very top of the stadium, and the view from there was incredible. Like, as we were, like, slowly watching the stadium fill up, um, wow. eventually, like, uh, eventually, like, the band, like, makes their way on stage and all that, and they start tuning up. And then, like, they, like, launch into the first song, and I'll leave that 
And when they launched into the first song, the energy was just like ridiculous. Like everyone was dancing. Like I'd never seen anything like this before. And yeah. And you were home. Yeah. And I was home. But like, uh, should I introduce the song? That, yeah, that yeah, 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 let's play it, let's so hear it, let's, they, let's all go they home. Op- <laughs> yeah, so they opened with Feel Like a Stranger, and at this point in my dead listening experience, like, I thought I knew most of the songs, but this was the first time I'd heard Feel Like a Stranger, and it was like, you know, it has that synthy kind of, like, disco tone to it, and it was pretty different from what, from what I'd been listening to. I love they, it. They want, yeah, I love it, too, it's my favorite song to hear live now. And they launched into Feel Like a Stranger. And, like, when when Bobby sang that first chorus, like, I like even though, like, I knew most of the music, but this was, like, my first live experience, I felt like a stranger. Like, it was weird looking around, like, as a stranger, but at the same time, it felt right. It felt like I was at home. Like, looking down at the floor and seeing, like, this, like, sea of tie-dye just, like, moving, like, everyone dancing. It was pretty cool. Wow, that's so awesome. That is so cool. Well, let's hear yeah. it. Let's uh, let's go back. So we are going to go back to Levi Stadium, and this is on June 28th in 2015, so the Sunday night. Well, they always say you never miss a Sunday show. So the Sunday show uh, from that day, and uh, I sadly was not there. I'll actually insert my little personal want-want story on that. Which yeah. Is, it's such a, such a bummer. I mean, I was so bummed because I was, um, you know, I live on the East Coast. My family's on the West Coast. And we had bought airline tickets for our whole family to go home to visit on the next weekend. I think it was like the 1st of July or 2nd. It was right before the 4th of July. So when the fare they well in Chicago, it was like, oh, you know, I just can't. I, there's no way I can be there. Yeah. I'm going to be in California. Like those tickets for that weekend – I'm I'm home. I'm in San Francisco, so I'm not even going to – it's a non-option. I'm already going to be on the West Coast. And then mm-hmm. they fucking announced this concert the week before I went <laughs> home, right? So yeah. I, there was just, again, no way I could I could be there. The tickets were purchased for, you know, the 30th or whatever mm-hmm. it was in June, and my sister went, and, hey, Michelle, and Liz went, and I heard – you know, it was like – yeah, oh, so close, so far, but I'm so glad it happened and everyone got to go. And uh, it's a, it's, it's again the total like want, want, woe is me story on the Levi Stadium because there was just no way to pull that rabbit out of a hat. But, um, but I like to hear yeah. it, and I'm excited to talk about it. And uh, and then there's, you know, there's more that's come. So it wasn't absolutely. It's, uh, it's all good. So let's go and hear it, yeah. and then uh, and then we'll come back. Enjoy. Mm-hmm.
right. Well, back from listening to Feels Like a Stranger, and uh, and you are no longer a stranger. So this was um, okay. so this was your first time, like seeing all of this craziness going on. So this is tell me a bit. Like, so you were with your, with your mom, with your parents. Give me a little more of the backstory. So, so my my dad didn't go. He he likes he likes to say this joke about. And this might offend some people, but I'll say it anyways. The fa- he he likes to call the uh, the remaining four like money sucking whatever because he sees the the tickets as overpriced and all that. So he didn't actually go to fairly well. Um, so it was just me and my mom, and this was my first ever concert. Like I'd never seen any live music before this, and yeah. So like this fairly well. This was my first dead show, but it was also my first concert ever, and it was with my mom, which was awesome. What a baptism into live music, something that's like so big and, and cool for, for, you know, no, no dipping your toe in the water with uh, something small and that later on will be like, no, oh, that was kind of lame, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm, I'm so happy that this was my first show. And sometimes I hear people like whenever Fare Thee Well comes up and I tell, I like, sometimes I'll tell people that I was at night too at, at uh, Levi's and I'll be like, oh, that wasn't such a great night. They didn't play this. They didn't play that. It wasn't like as on point as it could have been and my response is always like this was my first show and sure I may not have been alive to see 77 but this is all I got and it was amazing for me believe it if you need yeah. it if you don't just pass it on is what I yeah. say to uh, that's that's my response to anybody that has anything to say about anything that's not you know like that you're not on board with you know that's cool yeah but pass it on, but it's like, uh, let's enjoy it, you know, because it's, because there's so much great shit coming out. And to your point, we have to go forward. You can't go backwards, you know, it's not an option in life, you know. And we for me, it was forward. an amazing show. Oh, that's <laughs> so cool. Well, so yeah. that's fairly well. So now, I mean, you, you are like locked and loaded with what's going on now. So tell me a little yeah. bit about um, Dead and Company and, uh, and what your experiences were with that incarnation of the band. Yeah, so at this point, after Fairly Well, I had been listening to, like, I'd been listening to the, primarily The Dead, but also other music on the side. And at this point, I was only listening to The Grateful Dead on archives, Spotify, what have you. I was only listening to them. And at the same time, the only other thing I would listen to pretty much was John Mayer. And there started to be these rumors that, like, John Mayer was going to play with Bobby, and they played on... One of the late night shows, they played Truckin', I think, and it was really cool to see John Mayer up there with Bobby. And they announced the uh, first fall, uh, yeah, fall tour for Dead and Company. Uh, we tried to get tickets to see them in San Francisco. It just never happened, but I was basically couch touring the whole thing, listening to every show I could on people, uh, from people streaming it on apps like Mixler. So I was very in tune with, with what was going on for that tour, even though I never actually made it to a show they announced summer tour. And at this point, my plan was to be working at uh, Camp Newman. So the year before I was a CIT, it was my last year kind of as a camper in transition to being on staff. So at this point I'm working at Camp Newman up in Santa Rosa. They had announced, uh, they had announced summer tour and like I immediately uh, bought tickets with a uh, friend from camp, uh, my friend, Sarah, and we hey, had bought Sarah. tickets. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we had bought tickets to see them at Shoreline. A little bit after we bought our tickets, my parent, my my mom and my dad actually they also bought tickets to see them at Shoreline. 
So summer rolls around. I'm working at camp. And this is like the second half of camp at this point. And it was pretty up in the air if I was going to be able to get the day off from camp to go see the show. And I was able to get the day off. And my mom was working up at camp, too, I thought, for that one week, I think. And so we head down. We drove down. Picked up my dad at home. We drove down to Shoreline. And basically the plan was for my parents to be my ride to and from the show. And that I was going to see it with Sarah and that, like, my parents were going to be my ride to and from, but, like, we weren't, we were maybe going to meet up on the lawn or something, but that was pretty up in the air. So we get to Shoreline. I had, a like, a backpack or something. I had this uh, bucket hat on, jump out of the car, and I told my parents, hey, I'm going to go wander around Shakedown for a while. And they were like, and my dad was like, vividly remember him saying, see you, son, be safe, or something like that. Can I just pause yeah. and say this yeah. is the story that I'm really enjoying is that the beginning of this segment was him like not so into, you know, music <laughs> and, and like, I'm just laughing that it's 15 months later and I, I'm, I'm laughing in the best possible way. Right. Like, you know, cast one on and now he's there. So, um, yeah, yeah. And so that's just making me smile. Right. Cause it went from mom, and to he, mom and dad, like he's on board, which is so, which is so fun. Yeah, and when he listens to this, he's going to probably be laughing his ass off about it. But um, <laughs> The progression yeah. in the last 15 minutes of the story. So, go on. I'm just stoked that it's not just mom, but mom and dad yeah. are down, too. So, that's, that's awesome. So, yeah, I jump out of the car. He says, be, he says, be safe, son. Have fun. And, like, I hug my mom, and, like, and I just start walking towards Shakedown. Like, there were these, like, tents, like, pop-up tents that I could see off in the distance, like, from where we had parked at Shoreline. And for the next, like, hour or so, I was just wandering up and down Shakedown, looking at what people were selling, just, like, kind of people watching. I sat down on the grass for a while. I was just, like, taking it all in. It was so cool to, like, I had, like, heard and read so many stories about what, like, how, what Shakedown was like in the late 80s and all that. And, like, finally getting to be able to hang out in a dead parking lot was so much fun. And, sure, like, people might say, like, it may not be the same as it was, but this is what I have. And I had so much fun just, like, hanging out, walking up and down Shakedown. I actually and ran I into... Yeah. I can't wait. I'm, like, I'm visualizing your story. And, I mean, you know, I'm visualizing Shoreline, their parking lot, and their, like, the hill and where it was. And, and yeah. uh, now you're getting me so excited for June because I didn't get to see them last summer, and I'm coming out in June. And, like, to be home and to be there, and, I'm again, I'm picturing yeah. just that whole scene. and. um so happy here again because it's uh yeah and I'll bringing see you me back next, and making me go forward you know like I'm, I'm yeah. nostalgic and smiley about the past and like super excited about the future all at the same time yeah and I'll see you there because I'll be there as well <laughs> um, so you're walking around shakedown smiling yeah. hanging out people watching yeah talking to a few people I bought this um I bought this patch which was uh, a steely with uh, one of the dancing bears inside which um, is now on my backpack. I, my mom put it on my backpack for me, the one I use for school every day. But, um, yeah, so I'm walking up and down Shakedown. Eventually, my friend Sarah, like, she gets there, and she had come with her family as well. And her her dad goes to a lot of shows, and he was he had tickets for, like, the, the real seats at Shoreline. Um, but, like, when they texted me that they were there, we went to go, like, get in line to get in. And it was so funny, like, finally seeing someone like, as I'm walking towards land, I see Sarah, and it's really, like, as I've been walking on Shakedown, I'm seeing, like, old friends, like, running up and hugging each other. And then when I saw Sarah, we just, like, 
hugged each other. Like we were so excited to finally be there. Like we'd been talking about the show for months, like getting like really hyped for it. She hands me my ticket. And like when she handed me my ticket, I just felt like this is so real. I'm finally here. It's finally happening. I get to see like fairly well was one thing, but I finally get to, I, for, for whatever reason, fairly well, I felt like was my introduction. And Den and Company was like my first real show once I finally understood it. That makes sense. And yeah, so we head in, we head into Shoreline and the first thing, the first thing we see is like the, the official like licensed merchandise stand, right? And my plan wasn't to buy anything until we were walking by and I saw this yellow shirt and it said, um, Dead and Company on the top had an image of like a few of like the bears like sitting around the campfire roasting marshmallows or whatever. And underneath it, it said, Summer Camp 2016. And like, I lo- like immediately love this shirt because I've been, I'm working at Summer Camp. This was my day off. So bought one of those and it's one of my favorite dead shirts that I own. We go out onto the lawn at Shoreline and like the second we walked out, I was amazed like, how big this place was because I'd seen pictures right but it was just so much bigger than I than I imagined like it's slowly filling up with people and we're walking along the top like trying to find where like our spot where everyone wanted to wanted to be for the show and like we're just walking along and I don't remember Sarah doing this but she took a picture of me and the sun's in the background sun's in the background I'm wearing I'm wearing this tie-dye that I made a few days before I camp. I just have this look on my face, this smile of just being so happy. It's probably one of my favorite pictures that I have of me. And so thank you, Sarah, for taking that picture. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got a text. So we're walking along. We're on the lawn trying to find somewhere to – trying to find our spot, you know. Mom, I think it was, had texted me. And she goes, we have this spot, like, center between the between the two, like – center speakers midway back so we're like why not let's let's go let's go hang out with them so we we go we find my parents we're on the lawn it was me so it was it was on my left it was my mom and my dad and on my right Sarah we're just talking waiting for the show to start and eventually I hear like the sounds of tuning because like it was kind of hard to see the stage from where we were start hearing tuning the house lights even though like it's like a bright sunny day the house lights that they have on top of the speakers turned off and hear the first few notes of what I thought was help on the way and like sure enough that's what it was help on the way with John Mayer singing and I love his voice so for me that was the perfect opening of course like you think they're gonna go help on the way slipknot and like naturally what comes next in our minds is deadheads is Franklin Tower but they decided to mix it up they decided to mix it up it was the last show of the tour they go help slipknot and then the next song that we're going to play is Shakedown Street. And they went from Slipknot to Shakedown Street. And it was a really interesting transition. But Well, I, I remember hearing about it because, again, I was so jealous. Again, missed out. Not, not as jealous as the Fair Thee Well because I had seen the Dead & Company tour on the East Coast. But, you know, it's stopping grounds. It's home. And, you know, everyone's there. And Shakedown Street is my sister's absolute favorite song. And this is the day before her birthday. So, yeah. hey, Michelle, I remember hearing, like, streaming and hearing it and being so happy for her that they played that. Because they, I mean, I know it was in the rotation up there. I really feel like they pulled out a lot of a lot of shakedowns. I didn't hear any shakedowns in the few shows I went to. I mean, was it a, it was played, but it was it was kind of like a special treat played, right? I don't, yeah. they, I don't think they played it that often in the, in the, I, in the summer. Same, I don't think they played it, they, I don't think they played it all that much in 
Um, the reason I chose this song was because, as I said, after Fare Thee Well, I was listening to pretty much almost entirely Grateful Dead and John Mayer. The reason I chose Shakedown is because the interplay in the ending of the song between, um, with, with like the vocals of John Mayer going like, shake it down, shake it down, shake it down, down. Like, I just love that because it was like this like poppy vibe to the song. It was like a fresh start. To, it was like a, it's like a fresh look at the song. And I just really liked John Mayer's performance in it next to like Bobby and like it was like slower at his pace but like I really like this performance of it well right on well let's hear it let's uh let's go in and let's play it so this is the shakedown street from shoreline on July 30th 2016 dead and company so everybody shake it down
to Shakedown Street, and uh, the last couple shows that were on the list were shows that you were at in your, you know, first couple experiences, and uh, the next one is um, is, a, is a hair before your time, so it's... <laughs> you could say that. Just a little bit before your time. I mean, uh, just a little bit before you were uh, going to shows, but uh, but is very meaningful and, and made your list, so tell tell us a little bit about your next pick. Yeah, so the, the next pick, the the groundwork for why it's so important for me comes from this Dead & Co. show. Um, So, and actually Fairly Well. So at Fairly Well, briefly I'll say that I was, because of the fact that my rib was hurting from bruising it playing Frisbee, I was sitting for most of it, but looking around, seeing everyone dance, and looking to my left and seeing my mom dancing her ass off, like I had never seen the side of my mom before, and it was really, it was really funny, interesting, and just all around cool to see. Um, and then at Dead & Co., I wasn't injured, so we're standing on the lawn. Help Slipknot was kind of like a warm-up, and once Shake, the first, like, that D minor chord of Shakedown, I was dancing my ass off. And for the rest of that show, I just had this huge smile on my face and this feeling of being happier than I'd ever been before. And for me, for me, this Dead & Co. show was... Like, I'd been listening to the music before it, but Dead & Co. was where I really became, where I realized the power that a dead show has and how happy it can make people, the way it makes you move, like, that that kind of thing. So after Dead & Co., I went back to camp. Um, it was the last few weeks of the summer. And I was just feeling, honestly, pretty down, like, missing, like like, having this, like, dead show withdrawal like missing it and like wanting that feeling again and uh, so the summer ends and it's my first semester of college and last semester I went to College of Charleston in South Carolina and without going too in-depth into this um, I was in the middle of a fraternity getting shut down situation and that's all I'll say about that but for me, last semester was really hard. There were 
I had a few friends at Charleston who like helped me get through that semester, but midway through, I decided that I wasn't happy there. It wasn't the place for me. And I looked into transferring to SF State, which is where I am now. And I was able to transfer, finished out the semester there, and it, and it got better towards the last few weeks of the semester. But for the vast majority of it, I was really unhappy and pretty depressed um, with the Grateful Dead music being my soundtrack to get me through it. And there were, yeah, there were a few, there were a few times when I would just go walking around downtown Charleston, which is this peninsula, like pretty late at night or pretty early in the morning with my headphones in, listening to a show, like looking out like over the, like the bay and out towards the Atlantic ocean, just like really like taking a, taking the time last semester to be super introspective and just be taking time for me. And the dead was my soundtrack to that. Now, winter break comes along. I pack up all my stuff. My mom came out to help me and I moved back to California. And I had a really, really long winter break just because College of Charleston and SF States, their calendars are off or whatever. But for a few days over my winter break, I was working in my dad's office. He's a real estate agent doing some like office admin work, like inputting, like doing some data input entry and that kind of thing. And the whole time I was listening to music and was coming off this pretty rough semester. And I'm sitting there listening to a Jerry Garcia band show and mission in the rain comes on. And I'd heard this song maybe once or twice like never really gave it a fair listen mm -hmm. and just the line some of the lyrics in the song just like really like really hit me and like um for whatever reason I'm blanking on it now but they they really really hit me and it was something I really connected to considering last semester I had all these hopes and dreams for what Charleston would be like for me and as the first and second verse of Mission in the Rain goes like for, for the author, for Hunter, for whoever this narrator is, he has all these hopes and dreams and it just doesn't, doesn't work out. Um, and so I'm sitting there listening and I'm doing this, doing this work in my dad's office and I just stop because like I can't keep working while listening to the song and I'm just sitting there listening. And this song just like, I got this song, it struck a chord with me and I really connected with it. And and so fast forward a few weeks, I move in at SF State and get my dorm room set up. I have a tie-dye tapestry that I made above my bed, a poster of Jerry Garcia, um, a poster of the cover of Dead Set, the album. And at this point, like, the Dead has, like, really become a part of my life. And the first night I'm living on campus, I go over to my friend Sophie's. And my friend, my, our other friend, Natalie, was there. And these are friends from camp who, Sophie, I've known since we were 11. Natalie, we've known each other for two or three years. And we, we made dinner. We felt very adulty about it. It was great. Um, and then we took my car and we drove over to the Palace of Fine Arts. And we're there hanging out. And I'm, like, playing some music on my phone. It was, I think it was John Mayer or stuff off his new album. And I think I shuffled it. And Mission in the Rain comes on and, um, and like, it's just like, I'm standing there in the palace, like in the middle of the palace of fine arts, listening to Mission in the Rain, like with two of my really good friends. And I was just like, I'm home. Like, this is where I'm supposed to be. 
and that that line that Jerry sings, there's some satisfaction um, in the San Francisco rain. Like it was missing, kind of rainy, and it was just so emotional for me. And like once I got back to my dorm room later that night, like I just like broke down, listened to that song again, and broke down. I was crying, and it was like mix of like happy tears and sad tears, like realizing that like all this shit that went down in Charleston was behind me. I was finally like in San Francisco where I feel like I belong. Like I have this feeling of belonging here. And I was just listening to Mission in the Rain, sitting in my dorm room. And it was just such an emotional night for me. And Mission in the Rain was the soundtrack to that. Yeah. Oh, it's such a beautiful story. And, uh, and you know, I mean, wow. I mean, to like go have the balls to try something out and then to be as in touch with yourself to figure out. So, you know, early on that it's not the right fit and, and, you know, you know, get the musical therapy to work yourself through back to where you need to be and end up where you need to be, which is back, you know, there is, that is such an amazing story. And it, it's something you'll have for your whole life, you know, and with the soundtrack yeah. to go with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the version that I, the version of the song that I picked, um, is what was the date again? I believe 76. It was 76. It was uh, in New Jersey at the Passaic theater, 1976. Yeah. So this is the this is the first time the Grateful Dead performed this song, and they only performed it, I believe, six times. And outside of the Dead, it was pretty much a standard Jerry Garcia band song. But I chose this version because the way Jerry Garcia band plays it, it's like pretty happy. Like it's it's like kind of bouncy. Like walk, like the line walking along in the mission in the rain. It's pretty bouncy, kind of happy. The way the Dead play it. It's more, it's darker, it's emotional, and for me, it's, like, the first time I'd heard the song was Jerry Garcia Band, but what, when I really connected to the song, it was this version of it. All right, well, let's, let's, let's hear it. I, uh, I, I did listen to the song, so I, I but I want to hear it all now, you know, in sequence with uh, the story behind it, and it really is a, a beautiful story, so... Let's hear that, and then we're going to come back and be in second semester in California. Yep. Okay.
Well, back from listening to Mission in the Rain, and we are now in the new semester nestled in the Bay Area. So, um, what? Uh, so now this is like recent history. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Your 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 podcast story is like. It's it's going up to like real time. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. no, we're we're gonna get to pretty much last Friday night. That's that's, ah, that's my goal here. This but, is some current shit. All right, yeah, let's, let's yeah. bring it up to the to the current day and into the future. So, so uh, I so tell us. Yeah, so I had um, actually stalled. Like I think we both did a little bit stalled the recording of this podcast because um, over over my winter break. Dark Star Orchestra announced that they were going to play a three-night run at the UC Theater. So immediately I got tickets for um, me, my mom, my dad, and their friend, their friend Melinda. And we, we got tickets to, the thir- to night three. And, like, but, like, for me, they were playing a three-night run. That wasn't quite enough for me. So I h- held off on buying tickets for a while. Um, but once I started at SF State, I slowly met a few deadheads. Um, my friend Armand, shout out to Armand, my friend Michael, um, my new friend Jules. Um, so I've, I've been meeting these deadheads in. So about two weeks before the show, I'm talking with, uh, is when I met Armand. And we, I was like talking, I was like, we were talking about music and we were like sitting in the dining hall talking about with a bunch of our other friends, but we were sitting right across from each other. And I go, what kind of music do you listen to? And he goes, everything really. Like, what about you? And I go like, and I say, I'm, I'm a deadhead. I'm really into the Grateful Dead. And immediately his eyes just like a little and he goes, me too. Like I listen to everything, but I love the dead. Um, so we made plans pretty quickly. We bought tickets to night one of DSO at the UC theater. And my friend Natalie, who I mentioned in the last segment, who I know from camp and who also goes to SF State, uh, got her to got her to join us. She bought a ticket, and um, and yeah, so we were like, our plan was to go to DSO night one. Now I'm gonna have to rewind because I totally forgot to talk about this. Last semester when I was in Charleston, uh, Hurricane Matthew hit, and they evacuate, and there's an evacuation order for all of downtown Charleston, where College of Charleston is. So the only place for me to go was to come home. So I was home for a week, um, and which coincided, luckily enough, with the Jewish high holidays. So I got to go to synagogue with my parents. And the first two nights of Bobby's campfire tour. Ooh. So, yeah, so I'm, I was hanging out with my friend Sam, uh, who, I know, who I've known since kindergarten, who goes to SF State. And this is the day of night one of, the of the Bobby tour and I'm hanging out at his place and when I leave to go drive up to to Marin and meet my mom for the show I'm walking out of his apartment on campus walking down the stairs and there's this guy and he's where there's these two guys and they're both wearing tie-dye and one of them is wearing a Dudding Co shirt so we started talking um talking for a few minutes about the dad we realized that we were both at Shoreline uh over the summer and I'm like Bobby's playing the Marin Civic Center and the Fox. You guys should definitely go. So I see night one in Marin. It was awesome. I see night two with my friend Hannah. And uh, after the first set, they they ended the first set with, I want to say, like, Big River. And I turn around, and I see these two guys from at the state. And 
one of these guys is Michael, who I mentioned before. And saw him. We talked a little bit during the set break. And then, I tr- and then uh, like, show was over. Didn't see him. I go back to South Carolina, winter break and all that, which we talked about last segment. But this semester starts. I knew his name was Michael. I knew nothing else about him, no phone number, nothing except that he was a deadhead. And I'd seen him once or twice around campus, um, but he was too far away. I couldn't talk to him. And then the week of the DSO run comes, it's three days before the show. And I'm in the, I'm in the dining hall with my friend Sam. We're eating dinner and I see Michael. He's wearing a dead shirt. Um, he's wearing this amazing tie dye shirt and I see him and I run out to him. I go, Michael. And he's like, he goes like, you're Eli, right? And I'm like, yeah, you're the guy from the Bobby show. And like we reconnected. It was really cool. Finally got this guy's number and he ended up buying a ticket to D- he was going to see DSO night two. He ended up buying a ticket to night one as well. So, uh, Thursday comes. Me, Armand, Michael, and Natalie, we get in my car. We drive across the bay to Berkeley. Um, we parked at, I want to say it was the Berkeley BART station. And we walk over to the UC, we walk over to the UC theater. And just the atmosphere was amazing. We met some amazing people. This guy, Greg, who's a little bit older, older than us, heard some cool stuff from him. Um, he told us about where Stu Allen plays at the Ashkenaz like every other week or something, so we're going to see that eventually. But DSO put on an amazing night one show. And so the next song that we have is actually from night two. And at night two, I saw with, uh, I saw with Michael again and his friend Jules. Um, and I also, as well, as I was driving across the Bay Bridge, um, my friend Eli, uh, Eli, we're both named Eli, it's funny, but he calls me. He's like, he's in Berkeley visiting his girlfriend. He's like, what are you up to? And I'm like, I'm going to a dead show. Do you want to come? He's like, and I had to do a little bit of convincing, but like, he knows I'm into the dead. He never really heard the music, but I convinced him while his girlfriend was at work to come to the show with me. So like, I pick him up, we park at, we parked at my friend Rudy's house who lives in Berkeley and he buys a ticket like at the box office. We go in and they put on an amazing show that night. And the song, the next song that I picked was Deal. And their performance of DSO is amazing because, like, you close your eyes. You are right there, like, you are right there, like, listening to The Grateful Dead. Like, it sounds so similar to me because I've listened to a lot of recordings. and It just sounds so similar. And I chose Deal because there were moments in Deal where I could swear it was Jerry singing. But, like, it was DSO, and we're there in Berkeley in 2017, and I'm there with um, – my friend Eli, Michael was in the building. We weren't, like, in the same spot at that point, but, like, we're all, like, we're listening to Deal, and that's the next song that I chose. Right on. Well, let's, yeah. uh, well, let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's let this deal go down, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this song. Oh, right on. Well, yeah. let's go hear this, and uh, a huge fan of DSO, and, uh, and this is the uh, second podcast, and hopefully not the last one that we're going to be uh, playing it. So um, so let's take us way, way back to uh, February 17th, 2017. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Throw, throwing it back four weeks. Yep. And uh, throwing all the way back four weeks, and then we're going to be back, and uh, we will um, hear just a little more and, uh, and do a little goodbye. So everybody enjoy um, Dark Star Orchestra Deal, and we'll return. Thank you. 
back from listening to DSO letting that deal go down and uh, that show was just so rich with so much going on so there mm-hmm. was like there was there was more there's more yeah <laughs> there, there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of stories I could tell but um so night one that I brought my friend Natalie and this was her she heard a little bit of the music just because of hanging out with me but this was her first Dad show. It was her first time hearing almost all of these songs, and night night three rolls around, and she she was only there for night one. So night three, I'm there with my parents and their friend Melinda. And Melinda, they had seen, they saw like closing a Winterland with. Like they go way back with Melinda in terms of seeing shows. But we're there for night three, and we get there probably 45 minutes before showtime. And I take my parents and Melinda down to like the very front, the same spot in front of uh, the keyboard that I'd been, that I'd been standing in for like the two nights at this point, the front and this guy who I mentioned briefly before, but his name is Greg. I introduced my parents to him because we've been hanging out those, uh, the last two nights. And this, this older woman, she was, I want to say 32 and her name's Stephanie. And she's been following, she's been following DSO. I want to say for the last four years. And so she's very in tune with this band and we had been talking the last two nights, and it was really fun talking with her, like talking with Stellis, what we think was going to play. For instance, night one, I guessed like every, pretty much every single song, and she was like very impressed with that. But I introduced her to my parents, and she was like, your son, like her words, your son is amazing. I can talk Stellis with him. It's been so much fun hanging out with him. As we're waiting for that show to start, my parents like went to, went to wander around the theater for a while or something. And I'm talking with Stephanie, and she goes, that girl that you brought night one, your friend. And I go, yeah, my, her name's Natalie. And Stephanie goes, well, during, at that show, during that show, they played Morning Dew. And during Morning Dew, they, Stephanie tells me that. She looked over at Natalie, and Natalie was just staring up at the light. Stephanie saw Natalie's jaw just drop. And Natalie looks over at Stephanie, and, like, they just smile at each other. And Stephanie tells me this night three. Stephanie says, that's the moment I think your friend understood what this is. And because of that, she's going to want to come back. And so that's a fun little story about my friend, Natalie. Um, Night three, as it turned out, was an incredible show. DSO played. The first set was 60s themed stuff. They opened with Good Morning, Little School Girl. The second set was a show from from 524-69, Turn On Your Love Light, Doing That Rag. Uh, the 11, Death Don't Have No Mercy was incredible. And they closed with And We Bid You Good Night, which was just a really fun song because it was one of the early ones that you don't get to hear a lot. But Night 3 was awesome. That entire run was incredible. And that was my first time seeing. I saw two nights in a row of Bobby during his campfire tour, but this was my first, like, full run that I got, get, got to see, and it was really fun. So fast forward a few weeks. I'm, I've been hanging out with Michael. The other night we took my speaker we went up on top of Cesar Chavez uh the Cesar Chavez building at SF State which is like our student center and we're just like listening to dead music and we're like talking like we DSO was awesome but we need that like that fix we need another dead show like we need that feeling again <laughs> I'm just like yeah. yeah right it's like almost like you a need drug. a hit you, yeah you no, need it a is. hit it's terribly, like you need your hit yeah absolutely. you you yeah, absolutely exactly. need another hit and like we've been talking about this for a few days last Monday I'm sitting in class I want to say it's like 4, 4.15, and I'm sitting in class, and I get this notification that 
Bobby is joining Phil at Terrapin Crossroads. And Terrapin Crossroads is somewhere I'd been a few times. Never, I hadn't been there since I'd, since Dead & Co. When, like, I, when, like, I really got shows. Like, I'd been there briefly for dinner right before, like, the, the day before Yom Kippur this year. But, like, the, the music they were playing, not Phil was playing. Like, right. You've yeah, been not, not with the like, same been scene. to the restaurant, but yeah. not, like, for the music, with the people. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Gotcha. And, like, I hadn't been there since Dead & Co. And they announced, announced that Bobby is joining Phil for a bar show. And immediately, I just get up, get all my stuff together, leave class. Like, this class had started at 4 o'clock. And I'm sorry. I'm going to say sorry to my parents that they, they have to hear this. But I left class with the intent of go see, going to see a dead show. So, yeah, like, I get up, leave, call Michael up. And I'm like, yeah, what are you doing right now? Like, do you want to go to ter- go up to Terrapin Crossroads? Bobby's playing with Phil. And he's like, of course. Hell, yeah, I want to. And he had some homework to do that he unfortunately blew off. But, hey. That shows and sometimes come yeah, first. Yeah, guys have um, a priority, absolutely. Yeah, that's dangerous for me to say because my parents will be listening to this, but sometimes dead shows just come first. Bring in the grade. Just bring in the grade. Exactly. Bring in the grade, right? Bring in the grade yeah. and no questions will be asked. Bring in, bring in the tuition's worth of grades. Exactly. As- Thank you for hopefully justifying this to my parents. <laughs> but, bring home the grade. That's yeah. what I'd say as a parent. And then if mm-hmm. you don't bring home the grade – we need to talk, but anyway, that's me being a parent. <laughs> yeah, if we don't bring in so, the grade, we're going to have to revisit this on tape. Yeah. So we we had called up Natalie and uh, Armand, who we went to DSO with, and they couldn't go. So it was just the two of us. We get in my car. We drive up to Terrapin, and, like, as we're walking out, we, like, see this. We're walking to my car, and we see this rainbow, like, over campus. And we're just like, yes, the vibes are telling us tonight's going to be a great night. Like, Everything was feeling good for us. We get in the car. There's there, there's no traffic on the way up to Terrapin Crossroads. We get there. We park. And at this point, it's like 540, 545-ish. We go around the back, and there's this huge line. Like, most people most people would be like, screw this. I'm not waiting in line. I'm not going. Like, I told Michael, like, if my dad was here right now, he'd be like, I'm not waiting in this line. I'm out of here. But, and don't get me wrong. My dad's in the music. But like, he's, he's not a line kind well, of person. Yeah, well, I was going to say, would yeah. have waited in that line in 1980? Probably. Probably, you know? absolutely. Yeah, they, no, in 1980, you probably would have been, like, camped out in the line. So it's all relevant yeah, they, to, to where you're at. Yeah, you know? they used to camp out in front of Winterland and all that. So, like, similar thing. Yeah. So it's this, free, it's this free show. Word had gone out. The line was insanely long. It's 5.45. The show started at 8 o'clock. We're waiting. They're slowly letting people in. We've been talking with the people around us. We were we were all very hopeful that we were going to get in. Like, I never lost faith that we were going to get in up until, like, the very end. We're, like, we're waiting. Eight o'clock comes. We know the show hadn't started yet because we couldn't hear anything from inside. And someone was live streaming it. And, like, they hadn't started their stream yet. And I was checking that on my phone. So we knew the show hadn't started. They're still letting people in. And right next to us, like, we see out in the parking lot, probably 15, 20 feet away, we see this Tesla pull up. Bobby gets out. He grabs his guitar from the back, and we're all, like, yelling, yeah, Bobby, like, and we're all waving him. He waves back. He goes inside, so we're like, all right, Bobby's here. They're going to start soon. They're slowly, slowly letting more people in. And then this woman comes out and says, sorry, but we're not giving out any more wristbands to get into the bar. Like, you can hang out on the patio, and we're sorry, but, we're like, we hope to see you again or something like that. I was pretty bummed about it, but we went out to the patio, and you couldn't really see anything, so it wasn't worth us staying. 
sorry, we're going to go get my car. We're going to get out of here. Um, but we both like had to go to the bathroom. So like we walked up to the front door and we asked if we could just use the bathroom, which was right next to the front door. And they say, sure. We go in. And as we're walking out of the bathroom, we realized that from where we were standing, the sound was pretty good. And they were playing Mississippi half step. Phil's voice was sounding awesome. Like it was sounding really strong. And we stood there for a while, listened to Mississippi half step. We could kind of see the stage a little bit, but the place was absolutely packed, like jam packed. There was not a whole lot of dance room. Um, to put it in perspective, but we hung out there for Mississippi half step and we we're like, let's get out of here. Cause like it, was, it wasn't worth us staying, but we, I absolutely think that that day was successful. It was a marginal success. We did not get in, but we got to see a little bit of the music, got to experience the atmosphere. Now I know what it feels like to not get into a, not get into a show. <laughs> and you know, that's a pretty important feeling to have. Absolutely. No, I yeah. love that the show that you didn't get into made made the final story of the podcast, you know? I mean, yeah. that just shows you an, an eternalist class half full in it yeah. every adventure kind of a guy. Speaks volumes. But we didn't get in, and there's, there's there's more to that. We After we left Terrapin, we went to In-N-Out. We're sitting at In-N-Out eating. We look at each other, and we're just like, why are we not doing more of Summer Tour? For Dead & Co., I'm seeing, I'm going down to L.A., with some of my friends from camp and my brother, we're seeing one, I'm hopeful for two, but probably not, definitely one show at the Hollywood Bowl. I'm then seeing two nights at Shoreline, and Michael's going to be there for one of those nights. He'll probably end up being there for both. Who knows? But then we're like, why not do more of Summer Tour? So this is also the first time my parents are going to be carrying this. So we decided that somehow we are going to go to – so after Shoreline, Dead & Co. goes to Utah. We're going to road trip out to Utah, me and Michael, and hopefully a few other people. We're going to not buy tickets to that show and see if we can get cheap, like lower than face value or a miracle or something and hang out in the parking lot. Then we're going to go to Colorado and see, definitely buy a ticket to one of those shows. But we're going to do a little summer tour and like we'll end it in Colorado, but we just decided we have to do this. Well, that's exciting. Woohoo! Sorry, exactly. Mom and Dad. <laughs> yep, bye. Peace <My> <laughs> out, Mom and Dad. Yep, going oh, on tour. Goodness. Um, no, but well, no. we get back so we get back to campus that night. We're really excited, like like yeah, summer tour is happening. And this was on Monday. So on Wednesday after my evening class, Michael and I went up to the student center, Caesar Chavez the Caesar Chavez building. We go we go on top of it, we're listening to dead music, it was awesome. But we're still like we're, we're having the same conversation we did last. Monday was fun, but we still need that show. So Friday rolls around, and there's, I think it's called Songs to Fill the Air, and it's like this free show out on the back patio of Terrapin Crossroads. Phil and the Terrapin family band, and Graham, his son Graham Lush is in it. So Michael and I decided we we're going to go to that. We, again, hit him Natalie and Armand. No one else could come. But as we're leaving campus, I texted my mom and I go, are you going to, do you have any plans to go to Terrapin Crossroads tonight? And she was like, she texted me back, maybe I'll go to like hang out, get a beer and like wait out rush hour traffic before driving home. And as we're driving up to Terrapin Crossroads, I texted, had Michael text from my phone and, and texted her saying, are you going tonight? And she was like, yeah, I'll be there soon. So we both park. Funny, it's funny because we parked down the street in the parking lot of the Camp Newman offices. Met my mom there. She had met Michael at DSO and walk over to Terrapin Crossroads. The place is like pretty packed at this point. My mom got in line to go get a beer or something and Michael and I found our spot. We were right in front on the left side of the stage, one person separating us from the stage. 
the first song I want to say was Alligator. And from the first note, it was just an incredible, incredible show, like great vibes, just like amazing weather, like 60, like 68 degrees or something. Like everyone dancing, having a good time. Michael and I were among like the younger people there. Like there were a lot of families there who had brought their kids. We were like the youngest people there by choice. And it was just an amazing vibe. And like as the sun was going down, they were playing the last song, going down the road, feeling bad. And just an amazing in between that they had played. Uh, I got Feel Like a Stranger, which is my, like, it was my first live song and now my all-time favorite song to hear live. I got my first Scarlet Fire, which is my mom's favorite song. And at that point, my mom was, like, there next to me and Michael. And so we got my first Scarlet Fire, and I got to see it with my mom. And we got Born Cross-Eyed. We got, it was just an amazing show. We got Tom Sum. We got Ruben and Sharice, which I got that song. Like, there's that moment where, like, a song clicks for you and you get it. I had that mm-hmm. at that show at Terrapin Crossroads. And it's just an amazing experience. I can't wait to get back up there. Well, you've got it bad, man. You've got the fever is yeah. coming up. You have got it bad because mm-hmm. that, was, uh, that was Friday. Yeah, that was Friday. <laughs> yeah. Sunday. It's now Sunday. Sunday that we're recording this, and that was just a few days yes. ago. That was two days ago, my friend. Well, I mean, if nothing else, I am so awesome. Like, I love hearing the stories, and I have to say – the FOMO is so so huge right now. I can't even tell you of my, my <laughs> fear of missing out because I yeah. am so happy to hear all your stories and so homesick for the Bay Area at the same time. I can't even tell mm-hmm. you, but um, so awesome. It's amazing. Really fun. Well, I am. Um, so we were going to play one more song. We will play one more song. It goes back to the DSO. Yeah. Um, and listeners, this is going exceptionally long because there are an exceptional amount of stories that we are listening to. Yeah, so my apologies. No, 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 no. I can talk forever. And it's still undetermined what the, uh, you know, what people want to hear. So, you know, we'll, oh, man, let's hear it all. But, you know, let's say the goodbyes. So let's, uh, let's do the sign off. And then you wanted me to pick. So I'm going to tell you which song I picked from this show. Then we'll go into it. So tell us about the show. Then I'll tell you the song I picked. Yeah. And then this will be the this will be the goodbye. Yeah. So briefly, this is going to be a very brief story, I hope. <laughs> night one. It probably won't be. I'm sorry. But so night one of DSO, this is with Natalie, Armand, and Michael. And they played this set that I could tell from the very first song. From the, yeah, they opened with Feel Like a Stranger, which, again, is my all-time favorite song to hear live because it was my first live song. And I could tell that it was, like, an early 80s show that they were – that I could – I pretty much guess that they were recreating a show in the early 80s. From that point, I guess every single song – and this show was just so magical for me that there were points, again, where I closed my eyes and I could swear it was Jerry or Bobby singing. And at one point, like, I closed my eyes. I, like, in my head, I am transported down the street to the Greek theater, open my eyes, and it's, like, the early 80s, and I'm dancing there in the Greek theater. At the end of the show, they announce, like, if it's a recreation show and when the original show was performed. And they announced that it was from 5-14-83 at the Greek theater, which just blew me away. Cause, like, in my head, I was there dancing at the Greek theater, and I could tell that it was an early 80s show. It was just so magical for me. So I do this thing where I have this little notebook. And during separate, during the first set break, I write down the songs that I remembered from the first set. And at the end of the show, I write down the songs I remember from the second set. Then once the set list is posted somewhere, because that's the great thing about being a 21st century deadhead, is I find the set list, 
I write down the real set list and I write down my memories from the show. And for this, this was the day before the third night of that run. And I had stayed over at my friend Rudy's house in Berkeley. And during the day, I'm killing time. And I thought to myself, I'm going to go to the Greek theater and see, like, there's an open gate or something. And if I can go in, so I park, I get out, I'm walking around the Greek theater. There's no open gates, but I see this gate that, like, has a really big gap at the bottom of it. So I get on the ground, I roll underneath it, and I go in, and I'm just, like, blown away. Like, I'm in the Greek theater. It's empty, but, like, the dead played so many shows there. And it was just this crazy experience for me to be there. And so I sit down at the top of the top on the left side and I'm writing down my memories like from that first night of DSO. It was just really crazy being in that building. And the songs that I gave to you is I, I couldn't decide which songs to, to be the last song. So I gave you three songs from the original performance by the Grateful Dead in 1983 to choose from and surprise me with. Okay. So the big reveal, and I have to say the big reveal, you're not going to be surprised because to me, it's the journey and it's the story and it's, you know, you're the, the adventure that you're on. And so I picked the wheel, you know, because yes. the wheel is turning, right? And, you, yeah. you, you know, the, the wheel is turning. The other two are Morning Dew and Tennessee Jen and no disrespect to either one of those songs, but I kind of have to go with the full, you know, lyrical serendipity of the situation and I feel like yeah. the wheel just works yeah no that now that I think that it absolutely fits and like thank you for making this decision for me but like I am <laughs> I'm very happy that it's the wheel <laughs> yeah no again it's not it's not the it's not the technical aspect of the yeah. song but I looked at all three and then especially after talking you know for the last um little little chunk of time here the wheel is turning and you can't slow down so yeah there you go. With no intent right of slowing down. No mm -hmm. intent of slowing down at all. No, absolutely. Yeah, enjoy this ride. And I'm going to get to meet you live, and we're going to get to yeah. dance and, and uh, shake shake our bones and shoreline. So, yeah. God, all eyes are on that, that's for sure. And, Looking uh, forward to meeting God. you there. Me too. Mm -hmm. Well, I am going to end with the wheel, listeners. So I am going to – I'm going to spin us off to – uh, May 14th, 1983, and um, thank you, Eli, yeah. for sharing the stories and uh, for being a friend. And yeah, I can't wait to can't wait to meet in person. And, yeah. and I'm sure there'll be a few stories between now and then, huh? Absolutely. And thank you for having <laughs> me on. I can't wait to meet you at Charlotte this summer. Absolutely. Okay. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.